0: Hello and welcome to Camp Adulthood and the Resident Youth. I'm the Resident Youth, Maddie Yergie,
1: And I'm Camp Adulthood, Shay Keats.
0: And we are joined by an esteemed guest.
1: Very esteemed. Um, this is a, I guess I would call you a, co- a former colleague. Are we colleagues, parents?
2: Yeah, we, yeah, we're colleagues. Yeah, we work colleague together. Colleague of
1: mine. Parents. Friends. um, And he, friends, colleagues, friends, exactly, both. Friends is more important. Um, And he is a very talented interior designer and is going to share a lot of interesting things with us about his work and his life and uh, his story.
2: Hi, everyone.
1: Yeah. So Terrence, before we jump in, why don't you give a quick intro and just say um, what year you were born and how old you are for people who can't do math and a little bit about what you do and where you're from.
0: Okay.
2: Um, I'm, I was born in 1990. I'm 27, turning 28 in August. I was born and raised in Utah and then moved to New York City four years ago. I studied interior design school, and I work for a small but um, up-and-coming residential, yeah, very busy, busy residential kid. firm in the Flatiron neighborhood. So, excellent, wonderful,
1: yay! Um, all right, so Maddie, do you want to start with your millennial moment?
2: Sure. Um,
0: okay. I was definitely I'm more prepared with my campfire topic, but oh, gosh. my millennial moment, I'm planning. I was texting Shay about this recently. So there's this guy that I have been following. He's, like, a singer-songwriter. His name is Matt Hires. Shout out. Um, And I've been, like, following his music since I was in high school and, like, all throughout college. I used to go to his shows all the time. And he, like, put out a thing on Twitter that he wanted... He's going on tour and he was like, while I'm on tour, I want to do some house shows. Mm -hmm. And so I tweeted at him and I was like, I have a small apartment, but if you want to come and he was like, yeah, totally. So now I'm planning this like house show. So I'll give the shout out to all of our listeners. It's February 28th at my apartment. Oh my God. That sounds so cool. You can find out where I live. Please don't stalk me. I'm kind of nervous about having strangers in my apartment. So that's why I'm like, please sign up all of my friends, like people that I know or people that listen to this podcast. Um, Wait.
1: So you're having a concert in your home? Yeah, yes. Mini concert.
2: But
0: did I not tell you about this? Was I not No, you, you about
1: told this? me about it, but I thought he was gonna come. I thought it was some kind of like recording thing. I didn't realize. Oh no,
0: there That's are be... how it worked.
1: Strangers in your home.
0: Yeah.
2: Very New York wow. party.
0: I know. Yeah, and he agreed to be on the podcast, so it's a little preview for our guests. Um, but his music is really great. But it's just so funny because it, it's like i feel like a you know it's so new york like having weird things in your apartment um but it's also like super millennial just like
2: to reach out to him on twitter
0: yeah to reach out on twitter and then like planning this thing so anyways we'll we'll see how it goes we're recording the podcast with him on the 28th and then the show is that day and it's pay what you want so you don't even have to buy a ticket you just rsvp so i know how many people are coming
1: uh, Maddie, will there be snacks and/or adult beverages?
0: There will. I'm making pizza rolls, and it's U-I-O-B.
1: Oh, <laughs> oh excellent, excellent. Yeah. Well, that sounds delightful, and that is an excellent millennial moment. Um, so, okay, I, I can't decide about. So, my millennial moment and my hot or my campfire topic both have like a personal element. To them and a news element. So I that's apologize great. if there's some bleed over. But um, today I was on Instagram and I don't on uh, Bustle.com. Um, well, let me say, okay, here's my millennial moment. My millennial moment is that I don't believe in my horoscope, but I always read it, and then somehow <laughs> it's always right.
0: Oh my god, um, I always
2: believe in mine. Do you like horoscopes? Well, I don't. I I'm very, I believe in horoscopes, but I'm very skeptical of them. So unless you're, like, really into it and you're super gifted, I discredit you. Okay. But if you're truly gifted and, like, really know your shit, then I listen.
0: Like a a professional astrologist.
2: Right. So, like, I'll read, like, a horoscope and, like, if it resonates with me, then great. If not, then it's just more, like, drivel. Okay.
1: Okay. Interesting. I was very interested to hear what you thought on this topic, Terrence. So, (laughs) I was... Today, reading my horoscope, and then they're on bustle on their Instagram story. One of it, uh, I have to pull it up. Excuse me. I took a screenshot um, to see what it says. Uh, where is it? Do, do, do. Jenny, cut
0: this part. Yeah, find my. <laughs> uh,
1: yes, we, <laughs> exactly. Uh, oh, okay. It said, witchcraft has become trendy amongst millennials in the past oh, couple of years. <laughs> oh my But God. why, <laughs> yeah. And this was on their podcast the which is called "The Bustle Hustle." Yes. Oh, yeah, so
0: our former guest was on that podcast recently.
1: I know, I know. So anyway, so what I did, of course, was I was like, "Let's see what the actual news is on this." And apparently, there's been a couple articles done. I think the first one was done on a, uh, actually, a financial website called Market Watch uh, right before the holidays, and basically, it's just talking about. I don't know, it has a really kind of catchy title, but it's just saying that millennials, instead of kind of ascribing to the traditional Judeo-Christian um, spirituality are kind of making their own spirituality uh, based on astrology, and um, some of them do actually practice witchcraft. So because this isn't my hot topic, I won't like kind of go into it, um, but there's a lot of really interesting um Facts, And that basically this is like a $2 billion industry, which I thought was fascinating. Yeah, right? So, but then what was really interesting, and I want you guys both to go here. Have you guys heard of Catland Books in Brooklyn?
2: No. Oh, is that the coffee shop with cats?
1: No although that is very millennial as well
2: is it the so it's a library with books or cats and books it's
1: called catland is brooklyn's premier metaphysical boutique and event space oh. we aim to serve the local community of occultists yogis pagans mystics thelemites, i don't know what that means witches is <laughs> coyotes don't know what that is and anyone interested in the enhancement of their spiritual self that's um, cool So then I totally like went down a rabbit hole on this website, but they have all of these like tarot readers. Um, So I don't know. So anyway, I just thought it was really interesting. And that being said, another millennial moment for me is I have had my tarot read by our mutual friend, Laura, and it was spookily on point. Um, Has she done your tarot yet? I didn't even know
2: she did that. That's like news to me.
1: A great set of cards and she's like really good at it oh he does yeah
2: so tarot cards you're supposed to either be uh you're supposed to steal them or be given them you're never supposed to buy them that's true Mm -hmm. she
0: was
1: gifted them by a friend so they're legit my
2: my set are (laughs) gifted as well I've never used them oh good
1: never used them well you should give it a try because then you can go work at Catland (laughs) bookstore and charge $200 an hour
0: No, Terrence is very busy at his current job. Well, I
1: know that's true, but I know Bachman doesn't pay $200 an hour. No offense. BBD. That's a great millennial moment. Terrence,
2: do you
0: have a millennial moment?
2: Um, One came to mind after Shay was sharing hers. So last week I was really sick with the flu, and um, I hate being sick because I hate being useless and being stuck at home, not being productive. It just really annoys me. So I was on Facebook, trying like just passing the time, and there is this New York uh, character called Tina, and she sells. She's a pigeon advocate, and she sells oh, Tina. Yeah, you know I Tina. Know this. The felted I love her. pigeons, right? Yeah, she sells. Yeah, I did pigeons. a blog
1: on them back ages ago. Anyway, go on. So no, Tina is amazing.
2: I think yeah, she's, she's super so cool. cool. She makes like, felt pigeons, and she small. also like is an advocate for like pigeon rights and like making oh, sure that they're wow. you know taken care they're of just and she saves like, them and in the city. right just, so she had this post and she is a self-proclaimed witch and she was like to get rid of the flu or the cold you feel coming on to slice two onions in half put them on top of your feet and wrap them in saran wrap and then put socks on top so like i'm on facebook i find this information and i'm like Why not? Like, I'm really going to believe in this, and I'm going to try it. Like, what's the worst it can do? So I put the onions on my feet, wrap my feet in plastic wrap, go to bed, wake up the next day and feel just as shitty as the day before. (laughs) Yeah. but I really wanted it to work out and I like commented on her status and I was like I'm doing this tonight and all of her witchy friends commented and like wanted to know the results but I'm like too sad to break the news to them so oh, I'm like no. one day I'll do it but I just don't know yeah. when
1: oh, my God. But maybe I I'm not heard magical enough you're not no you are very magical Terrence um, but I have heard of this before with the onions to like and draw garlic out and stuff. the cold yeah, yeah. But I'm surprised she had you put it on the top of the foot and not the bottom of the
2: foot. I mean, maybe I read it wrong, but she said, <laughs> I read it, th- I see, I thought that too, because I read yeah. it again and it said to place it on the top of the arch, yeah. which would mean on top right. of your foot, right? Yeah,
0: that's pretty specific.
2: So, I, I mean, get- bottom of the foot would have been better, then it would have kind of been that's like true. a little shoe. Yeah. Well, and
0: I feel
1: like, so my cousin is super into essential oils, and she has these like little rollerball things. And if you're having a cold or whatever, and you want to absorb the oil, you're supposed to put it on the bottom of your foot. So that's why I would have thought similarly to draw out the toxins or whatever.
2: I have another millennial moment. Do it. Yeah, hit us. Um, So we were talking about this in the studio the other day about like going to a bar and like hitting on a guy or, like, approaching someone in person instead of, like, on an app or, like, whatever. Mm -hmm. And it's, like, we were all sharing stories about, like, how incredibly socially backwards people are in person to strangers and people they don't know. And, like, all of us went around and shared stories of, like, you know, trying to buy someone a drink, simply smiling at someone, and, like, younger people or people you know, if our generation really can't handle impromptu interactions in public. It's like... They get a lot
0: of social anxiety.
2: Social anxiety. They're, like, incredibly rude. They don't... Literally don't know how to respond. And they just sit there with their mouth open. <laughs> or they're... Oh you know, it's... Yeah. So we all... we All of us had stories to share of, like, being in a bar or a club or a restaurant mm-hmm. and, like, trying to, like, just even acknowledge someone that caught your eye and, like, being... Totally, like, you know, weirded out by it, out by it or yeah. shut down, or just like someone that's like incredibly rude, yeah. which I think is kind of like a sad bit of yeah. our generation where we don't have that spontaneity and like ability to yeah. interact no with people on the cuff. If
0: you've noticed, like, being an older millennial, if you see it more so in the younger millennials, yeah. Or if you think it's just
1: well, everyone. I think this is really interesting because this is something. In the past, I guess, like 15 years now that I've really noticed um, change dramatically. Mm-hmm. So when I was in college, so let's say end of age, because I'm a very responsible person. Um, so let's say as of 2004-ish, 2005, uh, 2005, I turned 21. Um, if you went out to a bar, like I would get constantly, and I think I might have talked about this on here before, but I would get like constantly hit on, constantly would get drinks purchased for me. Mm -hmm. Um, I would constantly be, you know, yeah, I was like a hottie, you know, and I would constantly getting made out with by somebody in the bar, whatever. And now that in New York, and maybe it was just New York, um, but I also think I'm significantly more attractive now than I was at 21. So like 12 years ago no one will pick me up. No yeah. one will even look at you. You like talk with your person that you came there with. And the problem is, and I think this is something Maddie and I have been talking about a lot in the past couple episodes with uh, me too. And the women's rights movement is now when a guy comes up and approaches me in the bar, you feel a little like skeeved out by it where, you know, 10 years ago, I'd just been like, yeah, obviously I'm not going to pay for any drinks and I'll flirt with some people and it'll be harmless and maybe they will be nice. And something will come up, and maybe it won't. But, you know, it yeah. wasn't something that happened I at the haven't time.
2: Really, I haven't really noticed a change in that way, personally. Yeah. yeah. I
0: definitely think that people, you might think in the back of your mind, like, to be more aware of, like, creeps. But I think I will disagree with you on the New York point, because mm-hmm. I went to yeah. college in New York, and I had a similar experience to what you were describing when you were in college. Then I of, think... Like, it might just be an age
2: thing so yeah because i feel like i feel like i've asking noticed. you out or not asking you out
0: no they the were bar. i had a, i had a similar experience in college where like i yeah. would go and i you know made out with a bunch of guys and like maddie I
1: you're had just that experience. much more peaceful than me
0: no but you said you had the same experience when you were <laughs> yeah. like 21 she which did. was oh, i know
1: i'm just teasing
0: yeah, yeah. so i, don't know. I, mean, I don't think like I don't know. I feel like it's when maybe it's like where people socialize as they get older, mm-hmm. or like what the intention of socializing is. Yeah, I don't know. and maybe I
2: shouldn't. Oh, sorry, Terrence, go on. Oh, I was just going to mention that I the only thing I've really noticed socially changing with the Me Too movement is just people being more aware and kind of checking in with friends, making and also like I've heard a lot of people saying like safe spaces, like you know, yes. come to this party, this is a safe space, or, like, being really cognizant of language and, like, what's appropriate yes. in public and what's not. I haven't necessarily noticed a total shutdown of, like, impromptu interactions. I've just noticed people being a lot more aware and cognizant and kind of, like, just kind of blown away, like, all of us have been from the amount of, like, abuse and mm-hmm. harassment that's occurred in our society. i just noticed people being a lot more aware and like checking in and being like, Mm -hmm. how do you feel right now? Like, do you feel like you're in a, you know, Mm -hmm. people are a lot more concerned about spaces that are inviting and welcoming to people from all backgrounds. Yeah.
1: Yeah, for sure. Um, And I think that's amazing. And I love that that is the kind of result of all of this. It's good to finally see a positive movement forward, but just Mm -hmm. to go back to our approaching people in bars, I guess I should have been specific is that Maddie, do you still feel like this, the impromptu hookups and everything happen now? I mean, I know you have a boyfriend, but now that you've graduated or because I felt like that kind of thing was still going on when I first graduated, but it slowly declined yeah. Over the years, and I don't know if it was because I was getting older or because the, um, demog- you know the generation was changing.
0: Yeah, I think it's I think it's an amalgamation of like what you're saying, what Terrence was saying with the spaces, because I've definitely felt like there are certain places that I go, like there are certain bars and stuff that I frequent, that like people come up and they like approach me all the time, and mm-hmm. like, and then sometimes I'll go out and I'll go to like three bars in a night and like no one will come up and talk to me so i think it it is very specific and that might go to your point shay of just like in new york it's a little
2: it's different different. it's a little hard depending, and sometimes
0: like you go to a club and it's like very obvious that it's like okay this is like what everyone's doing this is like the culture of that space Mm -hmm. um
1: good Word phrase there, Maddie. Culture of that Culture space. Of the space. Culture I love of the that.
0: Space. Yeah, yeah. Um, the vibe, like, the mood. <laughs> the vibe, bar yeah. I go on the Lower East Side a lot, and it's like I know the bartenders, I know like the other regulars, so it's like I'm more comfortable there. And I think people can pick up on the vibes of like when you're comfortable in a space, right? People are more open to approaching you, and I think people can tell when it's like. And this, this is what made me say like maybe it's when you get older. Because I've definitely felt this as I've gotten out of college. Like, my time is so limited that if I'm going to go out with a group of friends, like, I'm going to be focused on those friends, and I'm not going to be yeah, focused on like, talking to other people. So I think that gives off a vibe that may- maybe makes you unapproachable, so...
2: We're also mm-hmm. just always on our fucking phones. Yeah, It's like, yeah. A good point. body language is yeah. such a huge factor in all of this, and mm-hmm. it's like, none of us are really sitting around looking at one another because you're either talking in your small circle of friends or you're on your mm-hmm. stupid right. phone. So it's like... Mm-hmm. These interactions, I feel like, are a lot more limited just because, like, how the hell do you approach a group, you know, a circle of people and all of them are talking to one another on their phones? It's, like, Mm -hmm. it's really Mm -hmm. difficult to get their attention when in, like, older settings, when those weren't available, you're, like, looking around the bar. You're, Mm -hmm. like, interacting with people in your space where now your space is, like, you, the person in front of you, and then, like, you looking down at the palm of your hands with an iPhone.
1: Yeah. Yeah. No, I think that's really interesting. And I think it's also why you hear, we've talked about this with a guest um, when Sarah Todd was on, about why people in this day and age find it so hard to make friends. So it goes kind of beyond dating. And it's like we're, you know, even 20 years ago, you're kind of forced to have interactions um, because you didn't have that crutch of being able to look at your phone constantly 24 right. 7. So, right but it's interesting yeah
0: shall we move into our hot
2: topics
1: i think we should stoke the campfire oh terrence is excited do you have one are you ready to go
2: oh yeah i'm ready to talk shit about justin timberlake do it do it. (laughs) hot topics this is like wendy williams style yeah yes oh my god i mean we have we have dimension (laughs) like Okay, like, if you're gonna, like, hot topics, yeah, Yeah. like, if we're gonna talk about hot topics and, like, you know, Mm -hmm. being a millennial, it's, like, okay, let's break it down. Super Bowl (laughs) is, like, the epitome of, like, masculine American male fragility and, like, insecurity and, like, this, like, need to, like, feel super macho and have this crazy event where, like, sex workers are shipped in and, like, there's oh, all of these, God. like, terrible I, things. Thank you for mentioning that. <laughs> yeah, terrible things happening where people are, like, super violent, very aggressive, enjoying themselves. Like, I will say that, like, a sporting event, I don't get it, but it's, like, I love the energy and, like, how people are super excited. But in the year 2018, my best friend's gonna hate me for saying this because she thinks Do Justin it. Timberlake is God. That's okay. But, like, <laughs> JT, like, his scandal is literally groping Janet Jackson, a woman of color, a couple Super Bowls ago, and you select him yeah. in 2018 after this huge movement of like, that shit's not going down anymore. That's one thing. White male on the stage, 2018. Like, what? And yeah. then beyond all of that, if this person would have slayed the performance and been like, incredible, like we've had Gaga, we've had Madonna, we've had Beyonce yeah. that have raised the bar, to then have someone fall... I guess that's kind of so perfect, funny. right? Yeah. That's kind yeah. of perfect that this year <laughs> to choose a white hetero male to lead the Super Bowl and to fail miserably and to be more interested in the backup dancers. Right. Than you mm-hmm. are in the person.
0: Yeah. yeah.
2: That's kind of perfect, I know. right? And Is that
0: felt like he doesn't have good material? Like his songs are good, like I don't know. I know. I, I like, like, like him. The performance with Janet Jackson was better. Did you like the performance Shay? or are you on the same? Thing? Um
1: no, I watched it. I thought it was I think the th- thing is, I didn't really know what was going on. Like exactly, like, exactly. Like, all elements were off. Like the dancers were amazing. His style was just off. So weird. Off-line. Two so outfits weird.
2: melded together.
1: Yeah. The songs <laughs> that he chose were great, but they weren't. They didn't have the energy of like Gaga's performance, which was incredible. You know, right. even or, of Jay-Z's
0: or past performance with Janet Jackson. That was special. yeah. Or even I mean,
2: that. Did do you did you get the impression Shay that he practiced and really gave it his all?
0: <laughs> no, did no he did Gaga not give it his all.
2: Yeah. She well, she's just Netflix. like a workaholic and yeah. like super Who into her craft. Sorry. Gaga. Yeah. How much she's Gaga, Gaga yeah. prepared for the Super it's Bowl? It's Netflix. Yeah.
0: Her, it's like the year leading up to her, and then the last scene is like her going up to like perform at the Super Bowl, and mm-hmm. it just shows like the attention to detail and like right the wardrobe the dancers like she was rehearsing like around the clock like Mm -hmm. weeks leading up to that and it really did show and i think you know
2: she took it seriously yeah and it was like perfection Mm -hmm. and his was like the coolest thing i can say about it was the microphone
0: like like you were saying like beyonce even like i don't know like my parents the super bowl was in detroit like maybe 10 years ago and the rolling Mm -hmm. stones performed and even then those guys were like in their 70s and I remember watching that as a kid, and I was like, it's so cool. And, like, my parents saw it in person, and they were like, it was so cool. And, like...
2: JT was just like, like yeah, it was he just- didn't hold your attention. Yeah. Everyone in the room... Everyone in the... I, I watched the Super Bowl with Shay was, like, a group of gays, of course. Oh, my like, God. Love. We, we were chatting the entire time, drinking champagne, and, like, we were literally <laughs> just there to see the halftime, and the entire time, we were all just like, what the fuck? Yes. Like, what's so this weird. person doing?
1: Yeah. Yeah. Um, sorry, but JT. I also, no, I mean, we love you, j I mean, t. And staying. if you want to come on the podcast, we will totally have you on, oh, even if you sucked at the Super Bowl.
2: Yeah. Um,
1: but I, it's you, totally fine. Oh, that's better, Maddie. Whatever you just did, I can hear you. Sorry, Jenny, cut better? that out. Yeah, it's much better. Um, I changed the setting. We're learning as we go. (laughs) Sorry. Uh, But I think one thing just to give Justin a little credit, even though I did think it was not his best and he deserves the criticism he's getting, is there was also a lot of criticism – so, I think there's like this national pastime of criticizing the Super right, Bowl halftime right. show. And but everyone loved Gaga. She did a good
0: But job. everyone loved Gaga. Yeah. But
1: that's because Gaga is, you know, she's kind of the anomaly, I think. But, you know, people were really criticizing Pink for her um, yeah. rendition was of also the national very anthem.
2: Oh, I but didn't exactly. even see this. Yeah. I haven't even she... seen
1: this yet. I didn't see it, it either, was not I've been reading. Think... Yeah, and people were like, she took gum out of her mouth and she's like, yeah. I've it had was the clue. Awesome. It was a cough drop. Um, And so I think it's interesting that, you know, Justin is getting the criticism that is deserved and Pink is getting criticism as well,
0: but it's not deserved. So why? It goes back to what Kevin was talking about in the last episode, like the culture of outrage Mm -hmm. in like all things. People love to be outraged and it really blurs and this has happened with, like, the Me Too movement, mm-hmm. I think, a little bit. And it is applicable here as well, where people are, like, you don't know to what scale things are, because everything is just,
2: like, angry. we're all
0: angry, we're all outraged.
2: I also, Super interesting. Do you also think that the national anthem is this, like, really intense moment where we're going to determine who's, like, you know, got our backs or who we think have our backs and who don't. And it's like, I always just find it comical that it's like, if someone has a cough drop or they're wearing yeah. a pin or they're not wearing a pin or they hand their have their hand over their heart or not. It's all very mm-hmm.
0: arbitrary. And yeah.
2: yeah. It's like this huge, like, split m- moment where, like, either you're really great because you were, like, putting on this whole show of, like, and production of how much you love this country or... You didn't act how we deem appropriate, right. and we're going to determine that you're a terrible person Spurs because of she it. It's
0: signaling. It's weird. Yeah. It's really and strange. I
1: just have so much problem with, you know, with the Star-Spangled Banner as our national anthem anyway. Yes. Um, it's very
0: racist if you look at the history. It's super
1: racist if you look at the history. It's not... It's. I don't believe... It's not very melodical. I, it's not very melodic. <laughs> yeah, it's very hard to play. It's very hard to sing. So you end up butchering it unless you are a real maestro. You unless really you're Whitney butcher it. Unless Whitney you're Whitney Houston. Whitney Houston. <laughs> Houston. Um, I believe the score, it's originally an English song. So we're like singing about our... That may be totally wrong, internet, just telling you. We'll fact um, check it. Put yeah, it so you're... Singing, you know we're using this arrangement and then there's so many all these other beautiful songs that I feel like we could have used when we chose our national anthem and we choose that piece of junk so yeah but, yeah, it's but that I does not mean I don't it. love America
2: no so. and and it should you know you could criti- that's a very American thing yeah. though you should challenge authority and you should challenge ideas and, and you should put them to the sports test sports
0: are coupled with the national anthem like there's many countries where they don't like, have the displays of patriotism. Like, I was watching it with Corey, and, like, he was in the military, and so it was cool to see, like, I think you can, like, honor the veterans, and I I thought that was cool that, like, they brought out all of the Medal of Honor recipients to do, like, the coin toss. Like, that was a neat thing. Like, all these older guys from, like, Korea and World War II, like, that's neat, and a lot of people might not have, like, known that history had it not been for, like, the Super Bowl, but it's, like, Like you were saying just like arbitrarily, like why this this song every game. Yeah, it's crazy. And there was I was expecting more acknowledgement of the kneeling situation. Right. As well. Mm -hmm. And there was no even like no one kneeled, which like, whatever, fine. But like no one even acknowledged that it was like a controversy, and yet they had mentioned, like, a ton of other controversies about like different players and like their criminal backgrounds and like all the controversy surrounding Tom Brady and that kind of thing. And yet you don't even mention, it. like, it was just weird to me.
2: But yeah, isn't speaking of, you talked about money earlier, Shay, about, mm-hmm. um, I can't remember what you're mentioning, but doesn't, isn't there a lot of money that goes towards people promoting patriotism at sporting events I swear there... I saw an article that, like, gave oh, some, we can do some research. insane figure yeah. of how I'm much they pay the military to, Oh, like... yeah,
0: well, to do, like, the flyovers and right. stuff, like, to right. have those, hel- like, the helicopters and the planes and stuff, it is really expensive, and right. that's, the taxpayers mm-hmm. are paying for it, so... Oh, that is great. something too. <laughs> right? I mean, it's cool, but... don't get me wrong, but it's not necessary every time, you know? Right.
2: Yeah. Something that you were saying, too, about, like, the kneeling thing, too, is it's just, like why is this, like, massive organization and there's no one that's, like, visibly queer? Mm-hmm. I mean, there's yes. one it's person such, yeah. and they're not signed. Right. Why is yeah. no one talking about how fucked up that is? Yeah. It's I mean, weird. people are. Right. But, but it's not, not, not a enough. central yeah. conversation as it should right. be. As it should be.
0: No, it is weird. Because you know that they're, you know they're that, there. <laughs> you know
2: that they're so <laughs> you know they're there. statistically, yeah. there are a lot right. of, like, closeted people. It's mm-hmm. sad. Yeah. It's really it's sad. interesting.
0: Yeah. Oh. oh my Shelley, gosh. Shay, do you want to do your campfire um, topic or do you want to like, end on yours?
1: I'd like to do mine because it kind of is a great segue after awesome. Terrence's and what we've been talking about because the Olympics start on Friday. Oh, I Yay! I had no idea. <laughs> Terrence didn't know that. Um, I'm, really I'm super excited. I really love the Winter Olympics because there is just so much excitement, such a higher chance of injury, which makes it exciting.
2: Oh my God. Um, so all the dark. weird
1: sports are in the Olympics. Um, and I was reading a really wonderful article today about, so I guess this is my hot topic, uh, my campfire, uh, about the U.S. women's curling team and how they sucked so bad for like ever. And they. Every time in the Olympics, they came in 10 out of 10.
0: Um, <laughs> there's only 10 teams. There's only 10 <laughs> what? Teams. this
1: time, so um, they really feel like they have a chance oh to God. win it all. So I'm going well, to be rooting for them. Yeah, and they were talking about how... You know, they get no sponsorship and it's like really awful. Like, they
0: could. <laughs> like, there's, there's, only only,
1: there's only four people on the team, and like Nike couldn't even donate their stupid shirts for like the Olympic oh trial by their own. Um, oh my God. Yeah. let's see. I ha- took very poor notes. I have, like, Olympics, Millennials, and Witchcraft.
2: (laughs) Oh, my God. That's hilarious. (laughs)
1: Um, That's my 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 note-taking skills. But hold on. Yeah. And then it just talks about, like, how hard these women work. And it's actually, like, this very – difficult sport and then it was talking about how in canada people are crazy for it and every town has like yeah, the canadians
0: win every time
1: working center yeah but apparently canada sucks this year because i read a whole article about it in the washington post and now the u.s has a chance oh. to win um
2: why is canada having a bad year or oh a no. bad season
1: I may also be slightly exaggerating that, but it says that they're not doing as good as they usually are, and that also is giving the U.S. um, a better chance. But I'm going to definitely give – we'll put this article up on the website because it's really interesting, Um, I just think, to learn about something I didn't really know anything about, um, but – Again, my favorite article was like, American women have, or line was, American women have never meddled. Um, Sochi in 2014 and Vancouver in 2010 were outright debacles. The women's team (laughs) finished 10th both times. There are only 10 teams. Um, (laughs) They are the profound underdogs. Oh, and the American men have performed almost as poorly and have meddled only once in 2006. Um, And they... Uh, Peterson, who is, I believe, the captain of the team, said, uh, the women feel the need to reverse history and the pressure to meddle. We don't want to, and then it's like brackets, soil the bed and get 10th again, says Peterson, although using an earthier verb. I mean, whoever (laughs) wrote this article was just (laughs) having a day. Oh,
0: my God. uh,
1: But the U.S. team has beaten five out of the six top women's teams in the world this year. Uh, So there we go. And then they talk about, like, Can curling ever be sexy? Uh, What? what Why does that matter? Ice skating is a sexy sport. Snowboarding is kind of like
2: sexy.
0: It's wrong that it's sexy because that's part of the reason why if anyone's seen I, which I highly recommend. Not yet. Maybe
2: tonight actually on a date.
0: It's a fabulous movie. It's great. (laughs) Um, (laughs) Is that why you recommended starting a half hour sooner? Mm -hmm. (laughs) I love it priorities i respect it (laughs) um but i saw itania and part of why like part of the story of that movie is like she was poor and she couldn't afford like the fancy outfits and her scores reflected it and at one point like during a competition she like asked the judges she was like if you're going to keep reflecting on my scores, like you guys have to give me money to like buy an outfit because this is not fair that like I'm Damn. trying so hard, like I'm sewing my own clothes and you're telling me that I don't look presentable enough, like I'm trying so hard. So Fuck, it
2: that's really amazing. is a problem. Yeah. Good for her.
0: Yeah.
1: Well, I think the winter sports at the, you know, the Winter Olympics are interesting because it's all like rich people. In the Summer Olympics, you can have like the poor kid from the cornfield who runs marathons and is going to because you don't need anything but a pair of shoes and sometimes that's very equipment intensive yeah the winter olympics is so like you say equipment expensive and location exclusive like you can only ski um at the elite level in so many places and they're very um you know they're all these luxury towns and they're very expensive and very hard to get to so you really have an interesting group um of people and that's another thing i really liked about the curling <laughs> article
0: oh god,
2: i love this
1: that, they we're talking
0: maybe about this maybe uh if when we get enough money we can sponsor the curling team oh my team. god
2: that's a fabulous oh idea <laughs>
1: Yes, please. I want to. Um, But like how these ladies are having like they can't just train all day like the skiers do or the, you know, figure skaters or the luge team or whatever. Um, Like they have to all work their jobs and then they just train in every free moment they have. So I'm rooting for women's U.S. women's curling. Um, They're not going to be showing it on NBC. So if you're interested in watching it, you're going to have to check it out on one of the alternative channels Which we will post on the website because I can't find it now, but I think it's on
0: it. Yeah, great, that's awesome. Yeah. Oh, well, my hot topic is not as interesting as that, but hopefully we'll have a lively discussion. Anyways, um, so I found this article on Politico, and it's I always like finding topics that, like, we talk a lot about economics, just in terms of like millennial stuff specifically, but I always find the cultural stuff interesting as well. So this article is Are Millennials Moving Right on Guns? Pollsters are puzzled by young Americans' seemingly contradictory views on guns. Maybe they're confused, or maybe there's something deeper going on. So that's like the that's the article's title. And so it talks a little bit about it starts by saying, you know, millennials have um, especially older millennials in this right like gay marriage and transgender rights and a lot of the um issues with racism yeah like the first um mayor to marry a gay couple is a millennial so you know there's a lot of those types of things where like millennials have really taken a stance on and obviously younger millennials have you know done it even more but the data on guns have been a little unclear And what I thought this article was going to be about just from judging from the headline was they were going to say, you know, millennials are really progressive on this laundry list of issues, but guns are kind of the one outlier, which wasn't really the case. What they said was what's interesting about the um, millennials views on guns is that a lot of them say, you know, I'm all for like the individual right to own guns, but they want a lot more regulation surrounding that. Mm-hmm. Which I thought was interesting that having the and so the end of the article basically says like it's not really so contradictory that millennials are so progressive on all of these social issues and they have these views on guns. It really just harkens back to millennials are very much like you live your life and all of my life and we can coexist and be happy, but mm-hmm the gun control issue is obviously so complicated because guns affect everyone depending on how they're used. And so that's what this person who wrote this article was kind of saying. And part of it was um, that millennials are thinking about a little bit more than maybe Gen X and baby boomers, a little bit more about, um, you know, how to balance the individual freedom of people like guns. And a lot of people do feel safer with them with the safety and the fact that it does impact the collective and that these two views might be seen by older people as being contradictory when really it just goes back to the millennials having sort of an individualistic but also progressive sort of worldview. So I thought that was interesting. And it also cited um, a book that I read in college, evidently, that I highly recommend. It's called Gunfight by Adam Winkler. And it's a short book. It's a fast sort of interesting read. And it goes into the gun control debate Um, so that was my hot topic. So do you guys have any thoughts on that?
2: So I have such, so when i growing up in Utah and like my parents are from originally from Wyoming, both grew up on ranches. Like I've grown up around guns my entire life, um, had a gun since I was like 12, like shotguns, shot shotguns AK47s oh my god Terrence. 22s pistols like it's like been mm-hmm. exposed to guns yeah. my entire life like was a boy scout like you know the whole shooting range everything i never really challenged i didn't always enjoy that cuz it was always like i was forced to go shooting guns with my brother yeah, and dad it's like super on thanksgiving aggressive and, and like christmas masculine and like yeah bleh. And noisy, and, yeah. like, I always felt like my shoulder was going to get blown off from <laughs> the kickback of a shotgun.
1: AK-47s. Jeez yeah, Louise. shot an
2: AK-47, an illegal AK-47. Yeah. <laughs> um, but, you know, I, I never really questioned it. I just, I would always, like, want to stay home with my mom and, like, cook or go shopping, mm-hmm. honestly, instead of yeah, go sh- yeah. to the shooting range, because it's cold, noisy, loud, hated mm-hmm. it. But I never really challenged guns, honestly, if I'm speaking honestly, until, like, high school, um, there was an incident with a neighbor and, like, in a really overly aggressive cop that bothered me, and who was, like, there was an altercation, and the, uh, you know, guy was under the influence mm-hmm. of something and was holding his family hostage, came out of the home. Oh, my God. Like, SWAT team shot the guy dead and then high-fived one another in front of mm, cameras. Wow. And it really upset me and then went to school and was like bitching about it. And like a kid I went to school with, his dad was on the police force and we had like some like verbal, right? We had like an altercation in class where he and I were friends. And then I was like, he was like standing up for his dad. And I was like, I don't understand how you're standing up for authority when this man was literally murdered in front of his family. And the police force thought that was a really great opportunity to high five one, one another to like shoot someone 12 times right anyway so my experience then even changed even more when I moved to New York and then mentioned the gun thing at a party and like literally everyone in the room went dead silent and Mm -hmm. like looked at me like what the fuck this like super gay horrified queer person femme has like shot all of these guns and it changed even more living in Crown Heights Mm -hmm. living there for a very short period of time having several incidents of gun violence happen literally outside my doorstep. Wow. Fast forward to Christmas this last year, going home to visit my parents and like my mom's super cute and like has dressed two bedrooms, my brother's old room and my sister's old room to stay in. And I like go to put my things in there and there's this massive gun cabinet and I'm just like, Oh my God. Like I've just (laughs) traveled. I'm super stressed out. I'm literally going to fall asleep with, like, a gun cabinet at my feet, and, like, Jesus on every wall. Like, I'm so <laughs> like, stressed out right much. now. Yeah. So I slept in my sister's room, and, you know, my parents brought this up at dinner. We went to dinner one night, and they are mm-hmm. like, why are you sleeping in Shayla's room and not Derek's room? And I was like, oh, God. I knew it would come up. Yeah. yeah. And we were at dinner, and I was just like, you know, Mom and Dad, like...
0: I'm I'm so dramatic, (laughs) but I'm like,
2: I was like, just picture this. I was like, you know, if one of your neighbors who you've known for your whole life is like gunned down and like you see their blood on the sidewalk outside your home and it's there for like a couple weeks and there's a vigil Mm -hmm. and it's like an unnecessary killing, you would think differently about Mm -hmm. guns too. And that experience has happened to me.
0: Right.
2: Like I've been super sheltered, but like Mm -hmm. in New York, I've had that experience time and time again where there's like. The deli shot up or like there's a neighbor's blood right outside Mm -hmm. my apartment or like, you know, and it's like, at what cost? Right. This is happening on a national level, on a local level. It's like, why is this this, like sacred cow to Americans? And it's like, how many, how many school children, Mm -hmm. how many people at like concerts, like that Vegas shooting. Right. There was that story of the couple that were like, they had a plan of how to escape. Because they have that natural fear of, like, someone coming into an arena... They talked about that in this article,
0: that so much of the millennials specifically, thoughts on gun violence, have been filtered starting from Columbine, which was in 1999. So older millennials definitely have, you know, a living memory of that, and then everything Mm -hmm. since then. Um, And I think it's interesting, and Shay and I talked about this in one of the podcasts when it was just her and I, that, you know, people process trauma so differently mm-hmm. yeah And i had an experience in college where like i won't go into the story because i've already talked about it on the podcast but basically like it was two people who had both had experiences with like intense trauma related to guns and one person had like a similar experience to i think what you had where they were like uncomfortable around the presence of guns right. in certain situations and the other person like doubled down on the guns and they were like the only way i can be safe is if i have them around right and I think with this debate so specifically, it's like, if you have, I think it's easy to kind of have the opinion that most people have. Right. Where it's like, you can kind of toy the two together. But if you've had an experience with it, it's so interesting to me because I think it's unique to this particular issue compared to other things where it's like, if you've had an experience, you kind of go in one of two directions, depending on yeah. what your definition of like safety is i think right yeah well that's i think that's really
1: interesting um just you know because i kind of have similar i mean i didn't shoot quite as many guns but definitely growing up um in rural pennsylvania very similar guns are everywhere right um everyone shoots guns every, you know deer hunting is a, a major thing and yes. it's the hunting she, the right. hunting yeah To we an extent, with, it, you know it's a very poor part of the country and their families that if they don't get that deer, their family doesn't eat that winter, you know? So, um, I, but I never had, you know, so I've seen kind of this, these, these good things and, you know, I, everyone that I've known has always had treated their guns very responsibly. But again, the problem is that, and I think I'm exactly what Maddie is talking about in this, um, article is like, I'm like, yes, everyone who undergoes a thorough background check um, should be allowed to have a gun. But I think where it gets tricky and I don't know if they talk about this, Maddie, is, you know, the people who tend to, unless it's gang violence, but people who tend to commit gun violence generally have some type of severe mental illness. So where do we draw the line at people's privacy, you know, when we're,
0: yeah, it's so complicated. doing these
1: screenings. Yeah, it's really it's complicated because I don't think someone should have to be like, yes, I am on an antidepressant and therefore I should not be allowed to own a gun. But I also feel like, you know, there's a part of me that's like, yes, you should not be allowed to own a gun. So I yeah. feel, you know, but I, I don't know. I'm I'm not being as yeah, articulate like on the subject as I'd like to be, but I think it's it's difficult when we start, you know, restricting people's quote unquote freedoms because of. Uh, mental health issues but I think this is a case where we may need to do it but then it becomes a slippery slope as well
2: yeah it's I think it's an issue too to look at as far as like education like you were talking Mm -hmm. about gun violence it's like and gang violence it's like a lot of times that's not just a gun issue too it's an Mm -hmm. education issue and it's like these people aren't given the same opportunities as others and the only way they know how to communicate and verbalize emotion and like what they're feeling and to grab attention and to get noticed is like through waving a gun mm-hmm. around or like creating fear being aggressive. Right. And I think, you know, to what you were saying to Shay is it's like, you know, mental health issues. It's like, I don't know where we necessarily draw the line, but like, why aren't the same steps being taken as to, like, get a driver's license Mm -hmm. or to, like, drink alcohol? Yeah, there's
0: very common sense things that could be done, I think.
2: I mean, and the simple answer to that is because the NRA is pumping our government with so much fucking money and everyone's taking home a paycheck Mm -hmm. from this, like, corrupt organization that no one's really critically looking at this solution to this because, you know, it's a sacred cow. It's, like, valued... Some Americans value gun rights more than they value the freedom of speech and you know and it's just like this i don't know it's it's, i don't know what the solution is but it's like why why would you go through so many steps to drive a vehicle that could kill someone as well right but like you can go get a gun a lot easier you can go to a gun show and get a gun easier in some states than you can drive a vehicle Mm -hmm. that doesn't just yeah doesn't make sense. Yeah. Doesn't make yeah. sense. No, I
1: agree. You know, agree. it's really interesting. I was talking to a friend of mine who's, uh, she's Welsh and she lives in the UK, and she is just like just can't wrap her head around the fact. Right. And again, in the UK, there's this huge culture of hunting. It's part of their history. It's very important to them. But you cannot keep a gun in your home. You keep it at the shooting club or mm-hmm. at the hunting club. And when you want to go hunting, you go. You sign out your gun, and you hunt in the land or you go to the range and you shoot the pigeons or whatever um and who you know again i don't know if that's something that pigeons sorry tina not the pigeons not the pigeons foxes and
2: other critters fake foxes and fake pigeons
1: yes we we do not advocate animal harm on camp adulthood Uh, we live in peace with the critters um but anyway i think it's really interesting um Parents, how are we doing on time for you? Because I want to make sure we get no, into... No, no,
2: no, don't, don't you. worry. Okay. Uh, I
0: know. Well, this is, you already spoke a little bit about your home life in sure. Utah. So do you want to delve into that a little bit more and just tell us, you know, what kind your of, journey. yeah, your journey, like what your experience was kind of as a younger kid and then what made you want to leave Utah and come to New York?
2: Um. So I grew up Mormon. I, my entire family is Mormon. Um,
0: like both sides, mom Both and dad, sides.
2: Yeah. My mom's parents grew up Mormon, have like a history of like pioneer Mormons. My dad's side is a little bit more, uh, his dad was grew up Mormon similarly, but my grandmother was raised Lutheran and then in college kind of was dabbling in what religion she thought worked best for her. Mm-hmm. And to keep peace, in the, she fell in love with my grandpa. My yeah. grandpa was Mormon. His parents were like, you can only marry him, her if she's Mormon. Mm-hmm. So she was kind of like, had all of these issues coming at her. And so she, to keep peace with everyone, uh, her parents, this is, <laughs> to keep peace with everyone. Is
1: great. I'm mesmerized.
2: <laughs> so to keep, my grandmother's name is Janice. And to keep peace with her family and her boyfriend's family mm-hmm. is she took equal amount of lessons from the lutheran priest as she did the mormon priest Mm. and her experience was the lutheran priest only talked about how much he hated mormons during the time (laughs) she spent with him they didn't know this yeah neither priests knew this and then the mormons only talked about god and she really connected with it so she converted um both my parents are mormon i was raised completely mormon and was very involved in the religion until junior year of high school and then I abruptly left um it was after prop eight I was really upset Mm -hmm. and bothered by that before I'd even discovered my sexuality and um left my junior year um
0: what does it mean to leave were you just like Bye, I'm not going anymore.
2: Uh, No, I wish it was that easy. (laughs) Mormonism is incredibly involved. Yeah. Um, There's four hours of church every Sunday. Oh my God, four hours. Four Four hours. Every Monday you have an hour with your individual family. Every Tuesday or Wednesday you have an hour with your age group, depending on your gender and age. So it's it's very involved. So leaving Mormonism is not easy, especially my family and my Mm -hmm. parents are very devout. Yeah. Um, And that's your
1: whole community. I mean, your friends,
2: right? Everything. Yeah. No, the entire state is like (laughs) ninety percent Mormon. So it's literally like the people at your bank, at your grocery store, Mm -hmm. at your home, at your school, public school doesn't matter. Yeah. Everyone's Mm -hmm. Mormon. You know who the non-Mormons are. Yeah. That's how Mormon the entire state is. Um, you know, so religion really wasn't working for me on multiple Mm -hmm. levels not just a sexual level but a lot of different issues Mm -hmm. and I left um took me a, a year you know my sophomore year of high school I was trying to figure out how to do it and I finally just did it and then I formally left um after that which was a very difficult process as well like like getting my records removed and like the ceremonies oh, wow. reversed took over a year. Wow. Um,
1: so they I'm make just... you publicly in front of the community, like, no. re- remove yourself from your faith?
2: Oh my god, that sounds so. Sorry. Uh, handmaiden's Tale. Yeah. Which I is know. pretty. It's, there's a lot of similarities. It sounds no. Sounds like
0: you just wanted it to not. Like, I did just, you just didn't identify remove... with it yeah. anymore. So it was yeah. like I wasn't a part of them.
2: Right. A lot of people just don't go to the trouble because it is mm-hmm. really laborious. But I felt really strongly about it. Um, they're a very number-oriented religion, and it just wasn't it wasn't my path. Yeah, and I felt really it strongly seems about like that.
1: You still hmm? have respect for it, even I though have. No, no, absolutely. And all that, yeah,
2: yeah, no, like you know, it makes a lot of people very happy. It completes them, and it, you know causes them to do really great and wonderful things they wouldn't otherwise and I have a lot of close dear friends and family members that are still Mormon and I have a lot of respect for my upbringing. I mm-hmm. wouldn't change it. Yeah. I wouldn't change it. Yeah. Um but yeah, it's they do make it quite, you know, because they're motivated. They yeah. think what they're doing is a really good thing and it is for some people, but they make it very difficult to leave. And I shay to answer your question. I could have left really easily. I could have easily gone into a bishop and been like, "Hey, I've I'm made out coming or I've had sex with a guy. And then yeah. immediately I would have been excommunicated in a yeah. very public manner.
1: Oh, my God.
2: But I didn't want that to happen mostly for my own respect, mm-hmm. self-respect, but also for my parents yeah. because they're pretty yeah. visible or uh, they're high up in the yeah. community. So yeah. I was like, I didn't want that to go down and I didn't want to, you know, burn bridges. Yeah. So I yeah, wanted to leave sense. on my own terms. But that... Mm-hmm. Was That's very difficult. Yeah, it was incredibly yeah. difficult and very time-consuming and very emotionally draining. So I left formally second year of college. Um, and then moved wanted always wanted to move to New York. Never really verbalized that that was my dream because all the people I went to high school with said they wanted to go to New York and no one did. Yeah, so I didn't want to jinx it. Mm-hmm. Um. But it, I don't know why, it's always been my dream, but it has been, and I've always been drawn to the city in general, even though I'd never even been. Mm-hmm. And then, you know, went to college and was like, I could have gone right after high school and then I was like, no, I don't want to like crash and burn and not have an income, like I yeah. want to have a cheap state school degree under my belt and maybe be able to last a little bit longer than if I just go and Right. thank God, like yeah. literally <laughs> thank God yeah. that happened. Um. So, yeah, I moved to the city and it was, I thought, I was so <laughs> cocky and uh, arrogant and, you know, just thought I could, like, own the city. And all of us know that, like, New York City throws you on your mm-hmm. ass and shows you your true self and really challenges you more than anything. And that was my experience, too, is, like, it was really confident had a lot of friends here, but it was, like, the most difficult, challenging year of my entire life ever. Hands down. Mm-hmm. Harder than coming out. Harder than leaving Mormonism. Like, nothing compares to, like, that first year of, like, growth and, like, I mean, you know. Yeah. Grew up Mormon. Like, yeah, totally. <laughs> Harry Potter was banned. Oh, Will and Grace okay. was banned. Oh, no. like, I
0: wanted to ask you, like, you. it sounds like you have a relationship with your parents now. Is that, like, a long time coming, or have they always kind of been supportive of the life that you live now in New York and everything?
2: Um, my, it, it, it's a difficult layered answer, but you know, my parents are incredibly good people and I have an immense amount of respect for them and I love them dearly. When I came out, my parents were doing the best they could. Yeah. Like they didn't handle it. They didn't handle it as badly as I had imagined they would handle it. But it also completely changed our relationship, one hundred percent. For five years, it was really difficult. Um, they were kind of wrapping their heads around it mm-hmm. and figuring out where I fit in with their religion and their lifestyle. And I was, you know, kind of like finger to the world, yeah, just <laughs> you're like kind of doing your own thing. Yeah, I'm doing me now. Yeah. Um. So I think we've come a long way. I think that there was a lot of well, that's growth. Good. And like, change, and I think that that was incredibly hard for everyone involved. But I do feel like now we're at a really healthy place where there's like mutual respect, and we know that we don't, we literally don't agree on politics, (laughs) religion, lifestyle. Like my parents and I could not be more opposite individuals if you tried. Right. But I think that we have learned to celebrate our similarities and the things we see eye to eye on, and. At the end of the day, Dave and Teresa, my parents, are, (laughs) um, you know, they're incredible. Like, I think that they're really inspiring, and they're insanely good people, and I think they're really special, and it's, like, who, you know, they think similar things about me, so it's, like, who cares if we vote the same way, or, like, yeah we dress the same way or we think the same way. Like we have that connection and like they created me. Like mm-hmm. how could we not have some yeah. sort of bond? Yeah. Totally.
1: Um, I think, Terrence, I just, I wanted to make a comment on your kind of story of self growth once you reached New York.
2: Um, so
1: I guess you started working at Bachman's pretty quickly after you arrived. I,
2: right? I kind of stumbled across Bachman after I'd been here a while. I was like, okay. Interning and then freelancing and kind of just like honestly hustling. Like I moved yeah. to the city with like very little money. Yeah. Um, friends were helping me out. Like I was crashing at people's yeah. places, but like I wanted to do it on my own. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I was like very determined. So I could have asked. Oh, I'm not even answering your question. Well, I, I, I guess... found I found <laughs> him. I found him. Like I'd been in the city at that point an entire summer. And then I met him in the fall when I like, I, my employment had ended unexpectedly and it was just like, Oh shit. Like I gotta make money. And like, I met him that way. So I met him after I'd been here a minute. Yeah. Mm -hmm.
1: Well, I guess I just, um, you know, it was really fun meeting you when you first came on the team. Um, and our, so our bosses were working (laughs) together very closely at the time, but one of my favorite, I mean, Terrence, you're going to call me a dork for saying this, but oh. I, I loved watching you kind of grow up over, oh my I God. guess, almost four <laughs> years. I mean, you were just still so young and so yeah. fresh. And I think, you know, we could see some of that struggle. And now whenever, you know, before I left New York and now when we communicate and whatever, I'm always like, Terrence, I'm just so <laughs> happy for you.
0: No, you're just...
1: You've come into your own and um, you just – and it's not even it, – there's just this like wonderful kind of piece about you and I'm so happy for you. But I just – I think, you know, we talk a lot about millennials obviously on this podcast and how we're – people don't have patience with us. And I right. think it's a good reminder, you know, people are growing and changing and this kind of post-adolescence that we're mm-hmm. all – going through can be a tough time. So, you know, have patience with people and let them have that growth because it's really incredible for them and for the people they choose to have in their lives. So
2: that's so sweet. I think that's a really good (laughs) reminder because I feel like now where I'm at, I like want everyone else to be at that same point. So I'm Mm -hmm. super impatient with other people. And I think that's like a good reminder, you know, Because yeah, no, I think you're, you're exactly right. Like the, there's a lot of opportunity for change and growth. And I think that that's something I remember your when your family was on the podcast mentioning earlier is like people just, you know, kind of easily knock millennials Mm -hmm. and like discredit them. And it's kind of like, you're missing an opportunity there when you do that is it's like, you know, of course everyone's flawed. Of course Mm -hmm. everyone has their thing. And like, there might be a generation of like flaws and issues, but it's like, if you knock them and you discredit them and you just constantly criticize them, you're missing an opportunity too.
0: Yeah, Mm -hmm. for sure.
2: For, you know, for the benefit of you and everyone else. It's like, you know, like Whitney Houston said, like children (laughs) are the future. Like, like (laughs) regardless if we're total shit and garbage, like, yeah, Yeah, I get that. I feel that. But it's Mm -hmm. like, they're literally the future. So if like, you care about your legacy, and you care about what's happening tomorrow, you know, discrediting them, being ages towards them, is not really benefiting you or anyone else. It's like, there's always a new set of challenges that arise with every generation. And it's like, just because this particular generation's issues are more verbalized and widely acknowledged, it's, like, doesn't make them any less relevant or any less important. Mm -hmm. It's just a different game. It's a different game.
0: Yeah, I think that's very pertinent.
1: Yeah. Excellent. All right. Well, to kind of um, take it, uh, to lighten the topics a little bit. uh, (laughs) So... Terrence is an interior designer. Um, I cannot wait to see what he does with his uh, career. But I would love to hear, you know, what you can tell us about maybe what projects you're working on and you've enjoyed and kind of what advice you could give our listeners for, um, you know, what's cool right now? What should we all be pulling into our homes for 2018?
0: Yeah, Especially Uh. as we sit in my beige (laughs) bedroom that has no decorations or anything inspiring in it.
2: (laughs) You know... I think that, like, being in interior design and, like, seeing spaces and navigating them, you think about them a lot differently doing the design and, like, being in the field as opposed to being in school and, like, what everyone else on the outside views it as. What I... Honestly, what advice I would give anyone is, like, your space should reflect you. It should make you happy it should be things you should surround yourself with things that you use maybe you don't use maybe things that make you smile like your space should reflect you and like how you live and like what you want like I think a lot of times we overthink it and we try to like recreate someone else's vision or we try to be a catalog or like we just try too hard like you should come home and be in your space and feel so comfortable and just like yeah. like you can take a breath and like you feel good and like I don't know a space a space should reflect you I don't think you should follow trends like you shouldn't you know do what's hot right now like it should be about you like um I think that you know things should have a certain cohesion to them and like feng shui and like make you feel good and shouldn't make you feel weighted down or like this isn't working mm-hmm. or whatever, but like it should reflect you and you should surround yourself with things that bring you up, make you happy and like make you feel good because it's your space. Yeah. It yeah. shouldn't be about a, a production or like impressing anyone else. Like your space should be about you.
0: Mm-hmm. I, love that. I
1: agree. I love that. Yeah. I think a lot of people, a lot of times it's easy to forget that and you get worried about, I mean, I know. I mean, you were at my apartment in New York and I was like doing the best I could with the hodgepodge of items, but you know, and I would always feel really overwhelmed when I thought about like, right. Oh, I like, especially cause I was working, not in interior right. design, but definitely design the design world. And I would see all of these beautiful homes and these beautiful things. And, you know, I couldn't recreate that. So it's, but I always felt very comfortable in my home. So that's good to know that I wasn't totally off.
2: I uh, loved being I, in your space so uh-huh. much, Shay. Like, oh, okay. seriously. I like being in people's Aww. spaces because I feel yeah. like you get to know them yeah. even more. It's like looking at their journal or their diary. <laughs> it's like... Yeah. And it's kind of, like, really sweet. And I felt like being in your space especially, I was just like... I loved it. Like, you Aww. you literally created a space that worked for you. And it was uh-huh. like... I, I loved seeing your space. I was like... Aww. I felt like after seeing your space, honestly, I was like, oh my god, like, I get Shay so much more and I yeah. get like your point of view yeah. so much more and I was like like I noticed one thing about your space. Like <laughs> you value books. Like you read a yes. lot. Oh yes. I do. It was like there's so many books and I liked that a lot.
0: Yeah. There was Thank a you. lot of Benson
2: oriented things too, which I thought was really sweet. Like <laughs> Yes. <laughs> and and you're like bet like Sorry if this is oversharing. No, like I your, love this. Your bedroom was like, there were like, you have a lot of momentum, momentums, mementos, mementos, and like special things yeah. people have given you or like photos of friends. Mm-hmm. Like that's really sweet.
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah. Oh, well, I'm glad it's, you know, it's, it's it makes me feel good to hear that. Um, and I'm glad that I was projecting that because that's certainly how I felt. But also, you know, it's always a little, like, it was always a little nerve-wracking when I'd have you guys or anyone no. from the design team over to my house. I not I, was very like, oh God.
0: I feel like there's yeah. a high propensity for snobbiness in if, the design world. If <laughs> someone comes
2: into your space and starts spouting off things, it. like, literally fuck yeah. them. They're in your space and it's, like, your home. Yeah. Like, yeah. you know, things can always be better. Like, you could always yeah. improve things and make them more functional and make them more beautiful, but it's, like, No one should ever come into your home and say that. Like, first of all, tell them to leave. (laughs) (laughs) But, like, second of all, it's just, like, who cares? At the end of the day, like, that's what we always say at work is, like, at the end of the day, what we do isn't heart surgery. We're not Mm -hmm. saving lives. Like, we're Mm -hmm. improving lives and we're improving things. But it's, like, what we do isn't necessary. It's a luxury. Mm -hmm. And it's, like,
1: yeah.
2: yeah. Yeah. It's, like, don't – I feel like a lot of times in modern – like our modern culture is it's like there's so much criticism and pressure and like whatever it's like first of all like i can say this because a podcast like fuck that and fuck all those people that's feeding you that garbage Mm -hmm. it's like
0: culture of outrage
2: (laughs) it should be about you know
0: yeah you
2: and what makes you happy i agree who cares if it's like you know oprah's designer like the obama's designer like whatever Mm -hmm. like it doesn't matter like your space should be about you and it should bring you up yeah that's what matters totally
1: yeah i love that uh that being said when i do finally get my own place here i'm going to be sending you pictures terrence and (laughs) you need to tell me where to hang things on the wall because i have the space reasoning of a gnat
2: okay so a a tip i will give you like an actual tip you can walk away with The biggest mistake, and this is an easy mistake, the biggest mistake people make with artwork is hanging it way too high. Artwork Mm -hmm. should always be at eye level, and a lot of times your impression is to, like, you know, kind of, like, put it on the wall and your ceilings are high or whatever, and you, like, everyone always has artwork uncomfortably high, and you should always, the average person should be able to view the piece at a comfortable eye level. That's something that's you could advice. take away with. Yeah. Bring yeah. artwork down. Yeah. <laughs> Bring it I down.
0: It. <laughs> Make artwork <laughs> low again. Make artwork low again. That's awesome. Yeah, Let's...
2: that's that's a takeaway.
0: That's great. Awesome. Do we want to um, move to the archery range?
1: I do want to do the archery range, but I had one last question for Terrence hey, yeah. um, based Shoot. on my Instagram stalking of him.
2: Oh my today. God, I'm so nervous. Oh God, I have to follow
0: you.
1: <laughs> well, you said that you're walking in New York Fashion Week.
2: Yes. <gasps> I, so I that. Um, and you
1: just shout out your designer friend.
2: Lavon, he's so cute. So I uh, yeah, um this year like I'm really trying to get involved with things that I find interesting or make me happy and um recently reconnected with an old uh friend and he's an incredibly talented fashion designer. Um, very up and coming. His whole mantra is like 1920s goth, oh. but is like very interested in like gender fucking and like creating garments that are like pushing boundaries. He think His perspective is that he thinks New York Fashion Week is very boring and bland and safe, which I mm-hmm. tend to agree with on a large front. And he's kind of just like, you know, has like an Alexander McQueen approach where he's just like this establishment and this like production and all of these like smoke and mirrors are bullshit and like fuck fashion like let's do cool shit mm-hmm. um he's really sweet very talented I love his garments so he was like do you want to walk and I was like oh my god <laughs> that's so great like, that's so cool <laughs> yeah. like yeah. an opportunity to wear like expensive clothes that are like one of a kind like why not
0: and like get styled and stuff
2: right like that sounds like that sounds like such a perfect night to like (laughs) get around with like a bunch of cute friends and like get ready together and like just have a good night so that's happening tomorrow Um, oh
0: my god oh my god i'll have to follow you on instagram so i can see the pictures tomorrow and and then
2: he's super sweet and like i had the opportunity to suggest um gender fluid uh androgynous models from any background mm-hmm. and there's uh, two of my friends who I've one that's a new friend and one that's like kind of an old friend are also walking so we're gonna have a great time backstage and then a really close friend of mine also an ex-Mormon mm. I don't like saying ex-Mormon was raised Former sorry, she Mormon. was raised Mormon as okay. well um, okay. is doing like hair so there's like all of these like little connections yeah, and we're great. all kind of like coming together and like doing this like queer but very artistic fashion show tomorrow
1: that's awesome well i cannot wait to hear about it and see the photos so i know um, hopefully i don't fall
2: and if i do it'll be amazing (laughs) are you wearing heels or flats i'm so that's been kind of like a constant creative tbd dialogue uh either barefoot or in heels but i'll probably be wearing heels
1: okay cool well you'll do awesome i'm sure yeah thanks shay <laughs> I believe in you, Terrence, and your ability yeah. to not fall over. Yeah, a cocktail, uh, right. and
2: I'm good. Yeah.
1: cocktail will be great. Um, so now we'll move into the uh, archery range. We'll ask you approximately 20 questions. Um, answer off the top of your head and as quickly as possible.
2: Sounds good. All right.
1: Are you ready, Maddie, or do you want me to start? You can start. Okay. What's your favorite book?
2: Oh, shit. <laughs> <laughs> um, oh, my God don't feel pressure it can
1: be like top
0: 10 favorite
2: oh my god favorite book or
0: just a book that you like or something that you've read recently that you enjoyed
2: okay here we go okay my favorite book is tales from the back row by amy odell she is funny as shit and you should all buy this book and if even if you don't like fashion it doesn't matter like she's really funny that's great
1: awesome uh favorite animal
0: oh
2: (sighs) favorite animal you Pegasus.
0: Yes. Or oh, Unicorn. Good. I like that. Good. Favorite movie.
2: Favorite movie. Home Alone. Oh,
0: yes. Excellent. Good one. Good New York classic. Uh,
1: favorite place in New York City.
2: Favorite place in New York City. Um, I really like Prospect Park. Oh,
0: that's nice. Oh, that's a
2: good one.
1: That's um, you ready, Maddie?
0: Oh, sure. I, favorite I a place list. that you've traveled outside of New York.
2: Oh, Mexico. Oh, yeah. I love Mexico. No, Mexico City. Oh. Mexico City damn, is like incredible. I've
0: never been there.
2: You should go. Yeah. It's literally a dream.
1: Oh, I've heard amazing things. Uh, what's your uh, favorite alcohol?
2: Oh, God. Uh, it's so hard to pick. I would say either champagne or mezcal. I'm obsessed Ooh, with both. Champagne.
1: So good. That's awesome. Um, all right. Favorite childhood snack?
2: Favorite childhood snack: string cheese. Mm,
1: yeah. Oh, That's I'm classic. surprised more people don't come out with the, you don't say string cheese.
2: Yes. Oh, yeah, so fun. It's like a nice
0: So one. good. Um, favorite designer:
2: fav- Alexander McQueen. Hands down, always, literally, yeah. a genius of our lifetime, and no one will ever top him ever. Love it. Like um,
1: favorite interior designer.
2: Favorite interior designer. Oh my God. There's Besides so many that Bachman, I think.
1: obviously.
2: I would act, you know, I'd actually say uh, Ghilan Venus, She's incredible. Um, I, you know, great, incredible. Bachman, of course. ABB. Yeah. Hey, <laughs> <You have> to... <laughs> yeah. But she's um, a I know, right? Um, no, Gilon is like incredible. She's That's really great.
0: great. That's
1: awesome. Awesome. Um, favorite year in elementary school oh god I
2: hated elementary school Um, I would say third grade whatever that was I had an amazing yeah. teacher Mr. Pugmire he was incredible
1: that's an Chat. excellent name too Mr. I know
2: Pugmire. he was really really great we could like write notes to one another oh, we could like relaxed. buy things from this like gift store with tickets for being good students Mr. Oh, Pugmire yeah. was an incredible teacher
0: that's awesome yeah, that's for great him. Awesome. Well, that's all the questions I had. I added two new ones to my Do list.
1: Do it, I, hit. Come hard.
2: on, come on, Shay. Get deep. Get unexpected.
1: Okay. Your favorite <laughs> snack right now. <laughs>
2: favorite snack right now. Alcohol is alcohol a snack? Totally,
1: yes. totally. And then to end, uh, your favorite
2: board game. So I hate board games. Oh. A lot. Hmm. Mormons like play games. I, oh, like, like, hate all games. My answer to that is I hate board games and card games. I only play mind games and television? sex games. <laughs> What's that?
0: <laughs> like, why Mormons play so many games? Yeah. Is it because they can't watch No, they watch TV,
2: but it's just, like, they don't drink and they don't oh, go out. Oh, yeah, so out, they like so it's like, They love, yeah. like, games, and I've always hated them. So yeah. I always... That's my stupid <laughs> answer that. is, like, I don't play board games and card games. I only play mind games and sex games
1: i love that i love it that's awesome, awesome.
0: that's a great note to Hi. end on well um
1: terence is, is there would you like to plug anything before we um wrap up any instagram accounts or any place we can find you in the world
2: anyone can anyone can follow me i welcome What's anyone that handle? can anyone that can put up with this like unicorn bullshit okay. like uh, my totally Instagram funny. handle is to.exe, which is uh, Terrence, like two, and then a derivative of my middle name, which is Rex, which is oh, really no. funny. I
1: never knew Terrence that. Rex.
2: So my oh, handle is like to extend or to go forward or whatever so bullshit. Wait, your name that is T Rex. <laughs> Nickname in third grade. Yep. <laughs> <laughs> T Rex. Sorry. Yeah. Don't yeah. No. Don't ap- don't apologize. <laughs> no. It's like yeah, Terrence Rex Bodine. So I'm glad that you
0: own well. it yeah and it's like it's super fun weird.
2: i it did for a while i was like third grade that was super hot and then it yeah. was like fourth and fifth grade it was like don't call me that anymore yeah. No. but no you can yeah so cool uh awesome. i would yeah, yeah. anyone yeah. can follow me if you're bored and you want to get overwhelmed with a lot of queer situation i love that follow me S- situations
1: all right. Well, Terrence, thank you so, so much. This has been incredible. Uh, listeners, uh, you know the drill. Follow us uh, at at camp underscore adulthood. And, and we have the Facebook. check out our Patreon. Oh, and our new Facebook page. Yay, we're on Facebook now. Check I'm going to
2: wear Facebook. the T-shirt. Yes. I'm wearing the yes. T-shirt, Shay. Oh, I love I'm gonna it. I'm going to wear Please. it to the club. I'm going to, like, glitter mm-hmm. it up. Mm-hmm.
1: I was <laughs> going to say, are you going to do some of your – so Terrence – like kind of does his own modifications to this clothing and it's always oh. incredible. So if he does that to yeah. our shirt,
2: I'll be really excited. Yeah, I have to. Pressure's on. Yeah.
0: Yeah. You can see what it inspires you. Yeah, I'll Camp smoke thing. a joint and go home. <laughs> at our black on. t-shirt with the logo on <laughs> And right. like
2: do something cool. That's awesome.
0: Very I cool. All right. Yay. Thanks for listening. Camp Adulthood is hosted by Maddie Yerge, Resident Youth, and Shay Keats, Camp Adulthood. We are produced by Jenny Mayfield, and this episode was recorded in Maddie's living room. You can find us on social media at camp underscore adulthood. You can email us hello at campadulthood.com, and you can visit us at campadulthood.com. Please also find on our website there are links to our Patreon page where you can be a subscriber and there are many cool prizes. Thanks campers! We hope that you enjoy your stay at Camp Adulthood.